So, impact this evening. Um, in order to introduce our theme this evening, I'm going to play a song. And as I do, um, I, couldn't, I couldn't find the lyrics for this song to put up with it for all of the over 20s. And so, um, if you don't understand, ask one of the younger people for the interpretation um, because the Lord has gifted them like that. Um, but this is going to be the introduction of our theme this evening. Um, and at the end of this song, I'll be asking what the song was about. So if you're over 20, you get bonus points if you can tell me. Maybe. Okay, does anybody know who the artist is? Nobody knows. And apart from, no, you can't say nothing. You are exempted from this conversation right now. Yeah, because when a man knows a banger, he knows a banger, isn't it? Okay, so, um, all right, so let me give you a little clue. Yeah. You don't get no points for that question. Yeah, yeah. True, 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 true. Okay then, so let me just start with the over 20s, isn't it? <laughs> Apart from um, Deepa. Um, so, can any of you tell me what the song... All right, Judith, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> just see the... You know when the, the brow just starts throwing? <laughs> it's just like... Okay. All right, um, any of the over 20s want to kind of offer something that you got from that? Um, okay, it's, it's about sin and judgment, definitely. Um, there is a kind of, kind of hypocrite kind of theme in there, I guess, because he's kind of contrasting one lifestyle and, and then saying, um, you're in a situation like that, you would expect to get help from your family, but the very thing that you hate, you're guilty of. Like, because he said you would expect that loyalty. And then, so there is a cer certain sense of kind of, yeah. Mm, I feel like maybe Rebecca kind of helped you, though. 
because I saw some narration going on, some, some translation was going on from you and Auntie Harriet. What, what Auntie Harriet actually offered something to the conversation or she just echoed what you said? All right, um, any, 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 anything else that you got from that? Are you ready to go? Yeah. No, no, no. He said, said, are you really ready though? It could have been mistaken for her, I'll give you that. All right. Um, and well, would any of the under 20s like to add and fill in any blanks that you feel are worth mentioning? Okay, yeah, people need some time. Okay. So, need some time to think on these things. Need some time. Oh, to think on this. Need some time to think on this. Any other? All right, so the, 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 the tune is called You Ready, just as I said it grammar and everything. You ready? Question mark. So I'll, I'll leave you to enjoy looking that up in your own time. Um, but it is a fitting way to start this evening. <clears throat> and the fundamental principle was, are you ready to meet with God? And um, this week, there was an um, article regarding this young lady. Um, she was a second year medical student, Rauduha Athib, 21 years old. Um, she was a model as well as a medical student and um, had even appeared on the cover of Vogue and um, was even praised by her president. Um, and yet she was found hung in her hostel room um, in Bangladesh, 21 years old. And um, it's, it's taken to be suicide. So a question I put out there, which is a rhetorical question, don't answer. Um, where did she go? What happened to her after she died? Now, if we were to judge by Twitter and Facebook, when somebody dies, and I'll ask you to answer this in a minute, but just think about it for a second. When somebody dies, um, what would Twitter and Facebook tell us about their destiny and where they would go? So, um, this was a 20-year-old young man who we worked with in school um, for the whole of his secondary school life from the time he came in at year seven right up until year 11 we worked with him. Um, left school and he was a straight-A student. Um, I think he got like 10 GCSEs, a few A-stars few A's, 
Um, and that was even uh, having been excluded during his year 11 and so on. Uh-huh. I mean, he was a brilliant mind. Um, we worked with him in a musical capacity. He wrote lyrics. And again, such a brilliant mind. And um, his story is that he chose to sell drugs. He went to Folkestone, or AKA country, to sell drugs. And whilst he was there doing a drug deal, he got stabbed seven times by some local fiend, basically, some just regular person who was coming to buy drugs. Twenty years old. What happened to him? Where did he go? Does anybody know who that is? Anyone know? M dot. Um, also known formerly as Myron Yard, and um, he was 17 when he got stabbed and killed, just up the road. And uh, what I didn't realize until the other day was that he was actually um, a friend of mine's stepson. And so somebody that I've known for a lot of years, and I actually met through a knife crime forum um, just bumped into him again after a lot of years. And then I saw him go up and stand up and talk about when Myron was killed and talk about the fact that, um, you know, it was obviously a great loss to the family and the difficulties that they went through in responding to that. And so you see that the ages are getting younger and younger, yeah, in, in my examples. Um, Not obvious, but those who know, know. Um, anybody know who that is? Shoki. Uh, another local young man. Um, I think he was 16 or 17. 16 when he was killed in Peckham. Also stabbed. Where did he go? So where would Twitter tell us and Facebook tell us if we were to look at the comments that people make on Twitter and Facebook, where would we suggest that these people have gone based on people's comments? So... Rest in paradise, okay, so that's one. There are a few other variations on that theme. Heaven. Heaven. You going to say something? Gone to a better place. Uh -huh. Any other? <clears throat> there's, there's a particular comment that I notice 
And I think that actually, to be fair, it's a comment that is probably made more by girls than by guys when someone's been killed or somebody's died and, and um, passed on. God, yeah, thank you. God needed another angel. So there's this notion that the person has be, not just gone to heaven, but has become an angel in heaven. Yeah? Do you think that people become angels in heaven when they die? No? And why, would, why wouldn't you think that they become an angel in heaven? So there's no part of scripture that would suggest that a person who dies becomes an angel. Okay. So then what happens to them? What does happen to somebody who <coughs> who dies? All right, let me put it like this then. What are the options? What are the options? It's, it's not... How, however you would answer that. I want to get something from this front row here. Because you ladies are all smiling with smiling eyes. But Heaven or hell? Generally speaking, that's what we would understand to be the options, right? Although, sometimes there's a third option thrown into the mix. What did you say? I heard somebody say something about that. Oh, was it... Purgatory, okay, so purgatory is a third option. And for those who don't understand what purgatory is, it's a Roman Catholic idea that basically says that somebody goes to a, a waiting place and um, whilst in that waiting place, if you pray for them hard enough and pay for them um, enough money in terms of giving... Um, no, there's a word for it. No, as a coin in the coffin springs, a soul from purgatory rings. As a coin in the coffin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. There's a name for it. It's I can't remember the. <laughs> no, no, no. There is a name. It will come back to me anyway. But there's a particular name for it, and it's like it's a bit like penance. And the idea is that, can you turn me down just a little bit, please? Thank you. It's a bit like penance, but the idea is that you're basically able to kind of buy someone out of this waiting place. Now, we'll see that that isn't, that isn't biblical doctrine. That isn't true. There is a fourth reincarnation. Mm, we'll come back to that one in a minute. But that is a fourth notion. Thank you. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Use the mic, use the mic.
like, like Michael Jackson. But hold on, it sounds like you're mixing two ideas there. Because there's one idea that like Tupac isn't dead. Yeah? That's what people would suggest. Then there's the notion that actually the person's died physically, but spiritually they're roaming the earth like a duppy. Yeah? You just cease to exist. True, true, true. That's another, that's another version. Um, then also, reincarnation is the notion that based on your karma, if you were good in this life, when you die, you'll come back on another level, on a higher level. So if you die as a good person, quote unquote, then what will happen is you'll come back as maybe a prime minister in the next life. Or queen, Nefertiti or depending on which era you come back in, yeah? Um, but if you, if, you, if you die as a bad person, then you will come back as a lower level, like maybe as a monkey or a goat, and get cooked in a Jamaican shop. <laughs> yeah? end up in uh, Emily's roti. Uh, let's look at uh, just a basic scripture that the Bible tells us that deals with reincarnation, that deals with the whole kind of Roman soulless, um, bodiless soul. Um, it deals with all of that. Hebrews 9.27 And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. What does that tell us? Looking at that verse, how does that clarify the person's experience after death? How does that clarify? So a person... Before you even get to the judgment part. What does it tell us? Does it support reincarnation? Why doesn't it support reincarnation? Say that again. Okay, thank you. So it, can't, it don't support reincarnation because you'd have to die more than once then, yeah? Okay. So reincarnation is out the window. <clears throat> you die once. Notice it's also, it says it's appointed. Um, is there anybody who knows when your appointment with death is? Put your hand up. It's an appointment that only God knows. None of us know. And looking at the ages of our examples, it can come in your youth. Yeah? And after that, the judgment. And fundamentally, when it comes to the judgment, there'll be two op options, heaven or hell. Yeah, heaven or hell. Now, we understand this, but I don't know how much we really understand heaven and hell. 
Because the reality is that we can find ourselves in a place where even if we wanted to answer, you know, where did Shoki go? Where did Myron go? And I know some of you knew those guys because they're locals. Gus. Others here knew Gus. This young lady obviously had a family, friends, people who knew her and loved her. And when there is that kind of sense of emotional attachment to a person, the only thing you want to say that has happened to that person is that they've gone to heaven. But we know that there's another option. It's heaven or hell. Now, I'm going to um, ask one of our brothers to come and join me. Um, Paul, would you come and join me up here? Yes, thank you. And um, Thank you, bro. Paul's kindly um, allowed me to kind of um, just explore his story and his journey. And you'll see that it's quite relevant to what we're talking about in a second. So, um, for those that don't know, this is Paul. Um, you might hear me refer to him as Depa, because when I met him, before he was a Christian, um, that was the name that pretty much everybody knew him by. And um, at that time, I was working in Wandsworth and running a studio, and um, Depa was one of the young people that would come in and MC in the studio. So, um, Paul, obviously, um, I've known you since before you were a Christian, but everybody else wouldn't have done. Um, at what point did you come to the Lord? Okay. And just before you were 18. All right. Okay. And um, what was your life like before you became a Christian? Um, so I grew up in council estates. My house was never wonderful. I suppose now you call it like gang culture. But back then, we were called crews. We weren't called gangs. That like I wasn't the worst in, in gang, like you know, I was more into music than I was more kind of the criminal activity, although I was around it and was a part of it in a sense. Mm. But more music was more me. But once you're in a crew, it's kind of like attached with it. Mm. So I wasn't raised in a church, like, none of my family were. So, yeah, similar to, to gang culture, basically. Mm. Now, during that stage of your life, um, up until the point, say, like before you first came to the Lord, mm -hmm. um, had you had any life-threatening experiences? 
last 15 uh, box stabs. Uh, with a bottle to my side. Uh, nicked my liver. Luckily, it didn't pierce it. Um, but I lost a lot, a lot of blood. Um, and I've been, uh, I've seen other things, but that that happened to me. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, if that situation had been differently, you could have died, right? Definitely. I mean, I was bleeding out. Um, luckily, the ambulance came at the right time. So you get stabbed, you lose a lot of blood, you lose oxygen, you lose oxygen, you die. Mm. You know, so. Mm, mm. Um, like, I remember being in the hospital, and you know, like, the nurses and doctors, they're not really supposed to poke to one eye, so they just kind of deal with you. Mm. Now, this was at 15, right? Mm -hmm. If you had died then, Paul, um, where do you think you would have gone? I would have gone to hell, probably. Definitely hell, I'd say probably. Um, biblically, I would have gone to hell, man. Like, I was living for myself. Um, he didn't need to convince me I was a sinner. Like, it was blatant. Like, I remember the first time when I went to church and being told I was a sinner. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I've robbed, like, I've done bad things. Mm -hmm. So, and the way I lived then was just pure darkness. Like, was, I didn't acknowledge God at all, you know what I mean? Um, totally lost, like, completely. Right. So, I'd have stood before God in my sins. So, um, thankfully, you didn't die at that point, and a uh, little later on in your life, um, you became a Christian um, just after you turned 18, you said, or just before you turned 18? Yeah, just before I turned 18. Um, what was the turning point for you, um, having grown up not knowing God, not growing up in a kind of environment where God was talked about, almost losing your life? Mm -hmm. um, although it wasn't at that point immediately that you turned to God, what was the turning point for you? in a depressed state at the time and I suppose I was searching for answers and I saw the Bible and I thought, wow, I've never read it before. Me and him seeing like, what does God say? Like, I started feeling guilty that I've never read the Bible before and so I started reading it and I found it fascinating. You know, so I never had any answers or was told anything um, so I started from Genesis you know, started reading it and then I remember that day actually taking my Bible and my bottle of vodka out and I went to meet my friends and we just like set up in the streets and smoked weed and drink and that. And one of my friends there, you know him actually, Darius, he goes to church, but he won't live in 
living it out. And I bought, took out the Bible and I started sharing what I'd read with them. And he was like, you want to come to church with me? And then about a week later, I went to this church in the Estates, some small Pentecostal church. And uh, I believed it, you know, like the pastor broke it down to me, explained what the gospel was. relationship had started and it just kind of grew and grew and grew and then yeah in fact I remember one time and it's so sorry if I'm speaking too long no 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 it's right um I remember like my friends and family said why are you reading the bible and why are you going to church and and at that time I had no Christian friends like I didn't even know what Christian was you know what I mean and um I remember praying yeah like God please send someone in my life. And you know, <laughs> it was Ephraim. <laughs> Ephraim, because, you know, from the youth. Yeah. Ephraim told yep. me that I heard you become a Christian. I was going to get out. Like, you know what I mean? And then you must have been very excited because you drove down from Brixton probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, come meet me. You know what I mean? And then I went to meet you by the shop and you were already there. <laughs> and there's all my brethren's there. And he's sharing the gospel and giving out tracts and that, you know. And then we all made a prayer holding hands in the street, Tonga. You know. And yeah, from that day, because then we went to what was it, Rob Dingman's house? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember going in this house and it's like white suburban kind of area. Mm -hmm. And they just welcomed us in, like, just so friendly. And I remember just thinking, here are some And so, um, at, from that night, if you had died at that time, let's say on that night, you know what I mean, having poured your heart out to the Lord and so on, put your faith in Jesus, um, if you had died that night, where would you have gone, would you say? I'd have, I'd have been with the Lord. I mean, I was in heaven that night, in a sense. <laughs> you know, like, obviously, it's a taste, isn't it? Yeah.
probably a lot. And so no doubt I would have been singing and enjoying a fellowship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, um, obviously we could just end the story right there and that in and of itself would be encouraging and informative and so on. But um, life is real. And um, obviously, you're, you've continued. Um, obviously, you're not 18 anymore. And so, um, you've journeyed with the Lord. And that's, it's been quite a, a journey. Ups and downs, twists and turns, rocky paths and so on. And there was a season where you went away from the Lord. Um, I guess like the prodigal in it, that yeah, they might say. Yeah. Um, what happened there? What, what, was, what led to that? I never like left church and was like God ain't real and I don't believe in Jesus. Like I always knew God was real. Mm. Um, but I'd push it away, you know what I mean? Like I'd lost the joy of my salvation. I'd lost sight of God. And to fill that void I'd go back to the old self. You know, and it started from a relationship I had with a female. So So obviously um, a challenging and somewhat painful situation to go through. Um, and you had a, a life-threatening situation whilst in that season. And I guess whilst the Lord was kind of speaking to you in that season. Um, what happened in that regard? Someone had brought someone to my house. 
I knew what was the law. Mm. I was very inconsistent with it, though. Now, <clears throat> that obviously, I mean, even just looking at the scars, mm. that could have been your juggler, that could have been, you know, a vital artery or whatever. Um, when you consider where you was at in your backslidden state, and this might be a harder question to answer, but if you had died then, where do you think you would have gone? Somewhat, the question is a bit hypothetical in some sense because I didn't die, mm. and I feel like how I reflect on it more is this is the outworking of my salvation, and God's hand of discipline on me is such that you are so mine that I won't let you continue in this way, mm. in this lifestyle. Mm. And if it means nasty things are going to happen to you to make you wake up and snap out. Then God is that present, you know what I mean? And God is that loving. And so I look at it like a blessing because what that event done, not just that event, there were other things, but mm. it sparked off a warning. Like, Paul, who are you? What are you? How are you living? What are you going to do? You know, and God mm. uses those things to bring about and form us and shape us a more a life that is. Amen. And that's amazing in the understanding of God's grace because um, I'm sure that you would have considered yourself completely unworthy Definitely. to have even be, you know, considered by God, let alone accepted by him. Sin in me. Hmm. So it's not like I outsin 
two books. Great. Mm, mm. But that doesn't give me a license or any of us a license to print. Mm, mm, mm. Amen. Well, thank you for sharing, bro. Um, I, I, had, I didn't prepare for this, but I just before I let Paul sit back down, did any of you guys want to ask him any questions? Kind of putting you on the, putting you out there to the lions, bro. Um, anybody wanted to curious something there? Absolutely. I think that's healthy. Um, and uh, and uh, just to jump in as well, I think the reality is that it's a matter of um, how intense, because all of us experience it in, in one way or another, in terms of our hearts growing cold toward God, us drifting from the Lord. And for some, that might just mean, well, you know what, I'm not really interested in the Bible. I'm not interested in fellowship. I'm not interested in, you know, music that glorifies God. I would just sit down, watch YouTube, you know, play games, watch TV, and that's it. And we can so easily find ourselves in that place or maybe doing worse things. Or you get what I'm saying? And so in a sense, we all experience it to one degree or another and find ourselves where we're having to constantly renew our hearts and renew our minds and come back to a place of vital connection. But, um, you know, obviously for you, it, you were led out into the wilderness. You know what I mean? Oh, charm, charm is deceitful, and beauty is fleeting or is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And so, as men, like, do we go after beauty or are we going after a woman who fears the Lord? And I went after beauty, like, in that situation. And I didn't lead her well. So, that's why she didn't go my way. Um, so, in that sense, I let her down. Yeah. I wasn't mature. 
responsible for even myself or her. You know, so like it's a very complicated and complex thing. Yeah. Sort of like give a unique answer. I just want to put some kind of explanation towards her as well. You know what I mean? And she's got a heart and issues. And like I don't can't always know what her motives were completely. I can't assume that, but I can speak for me. I'm going to ask one more. Oh, you got a question? Come on, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I'm still a Christian. Um, I pray about my family a lot. And it's been interesting then watching my transition. Um, when I first was a Christian, I was really young. And I was radical with it. You know what I mean? In your face. You know what I mean? And so for them, it was like, you're going through a cold. You've been brainwashed. What has happened to you? Like you've gone from raving on a Friday night to staying in your room reading the Bible till God knows what time. Like so, they were just like, "What? What's happened?" But then they've watched me go back into the world, you know, and seen what I'm like. And so they've watched me become a Christian again, and they're like, "Yeah, you." <laughs> <laughs> Like Jonah. You need to go back, man. Like you don't belong here. Do you know what I mean? Like, but mm. you know, I'm hopeful. I pray. I pray for them. Mm. And in some ways, like you could think of it as match up your testimony. And, but you know what I found? Actually, I people want to talk to me more because they're like, okay, you're you're. Let's say the word normal, but they feel they can relate. Mm. Do you know what mm. I mean? Which has been quite interesting. People mm. feel like, oh, he, he ain't going to judge, you know, because I can just judge him back, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, Judith had a question. I was worried thinking I couldn't even see you know what I mean I was so nervous I thought this is all open you just think the worst but then because I've been stabbed before once I knew everything was alright it's just a matter of blood loss and I was losing loads I mean it was pouring I was down um, but once they get that oxygen mask on I was kind of content I knew I was going to be alright but when I'm in the hospital laying there you know because Without going too into it, I got arrested that night as well. And um, so I was in the police station, my face switched up, praying in this cell, like, God, man, like, come save me out of this situation. And funny enough, like, I'll be honest, like, even after that, I still went back into my old ways, you know, even grand food stuff, you know what I mean? But it kick-started something, you know, and, mm. um, Yeah, it's progressively done. It's like a process. 
But when I first got saved, it was very quick and radical and transformative. Like, I'm not trying to say like I've had two conversions, it kind of sounds like that, it's a bit weird, but I definitely, baptism has come back. Mm. And that process was long, thought out, drawn, like God was working on me and and, uh, I gotta say, I feel happier now than even when I was first saved. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, that's mad. <laughs> you know, mm. totally mad. But yeah, no, it kick started. It didn't, I didn't change instantly. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, give him a round of applause, man. Thank you, bro. <coughs> And so it's interesting that um, at that time when he wasn't a Christian, he got stabbed and was living somewhat of a, just a sinful life as non-Christians do, um, which for him was involved a certain level of immorality and, you know, certain level of lawlessness. He knew at that time that he would, if he had died, he would have gone to hell. But looking back on his experience, having come to Christ, even having backslidden, there was the hope of heaven. Um, I'm going to share a few scriptures and... Um, try and kind of give a picture of just what that process looks like after a person dies, only as much as the Bible allows us to see. What we're talking about really and truly is quite mysterious in many ways. And even when in the Bible they begin to talk about heaven or they begin to talk about hell, they're trying to put into words things that cannot be easily described in human terms. These, these are spiritual experiences that are out of this world. They're out of this universe. They're outside of our ability to actually comprehend what those experiences involve. And so we just get like somewhat of an insight. It's like having a, a, a charcoal drawing in black and white of something that you expect is going to be 4D, you know, 4K, super surround. It's, it's, the experience is, is not comparable. Um, so what happens to a person when they die? Now, some people have seen this verse, and on the basis of this verse alone, they say, well, obviously, everybody goes to heaven. The dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. And so you could, mis- you, could you know, um, understand why people might mis- be mistaken in thinking this means that everybody's spirit goes to heaven. But that's not what it means. You can't take one verse of scripture in isolation and try and say that that's everything that the Bible says. As I was coming up, coming up in the Lord, in my, in my journey with the Lord, there was a phrase that often came to mind when people would take a verse like that and try and use it to say that's what the Bible says. 
you've got to let God finish speaking. You ever had that time in a conversation when you're trying to talk to someone and they kind of jump in before you finish speaking? You're not supposed to look at anyone at this point. <laughs> and they jump in before you finish speaking and you know that they've, they've not even got half the story that you're trying to tell. They've not really got the full explanation. And once they get the full explanation, then it will be clearer. But if, they, if you leave them at that point, they've misunderstood you. And you feel robbed, you feel cheated. And that's what we've got to do with the Bible. We've got to let God finish speaking. <clears throat> so anytime somebody tries to give you a verse and tell you that this is what the Bible says, say, let God finish speaking. In the book of John, it says, the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son. So there is a, there is a judgment that the son passes there is a judgment that Jesus conducts. It says this again, and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. So because Jesus, being 100% God, became a man, he was authorized to judge humans. Because as it says in Hebrews, he's experienced what we've experienced but without sin. But the reality is he's experienced it. So he's qualified to judge us. And it's not that obviously the father couldn't judge us, but that's not the way that the father arranged it. Because he's arranged it in such a way that nobody can accuse God of being unfair. No one can say, God, you don't understand what I've had to go through. And so therefore, judgment is placed into the hands of the son. Now, if I was to ask you, what would you suggest is the most famous verse in the Bible? Um, what would you say that is? John 3.16, which says, <laughs> All right, then. But what does 17 say? All right. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Yeah? So, yes, Jesus came and is the qualified judge. But in his coming, he came to save. He came that people might believe and not perish. That's why he came. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't just come to, to swing the hammer of God like Thor and say, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're going to hell. Bang, 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 bang. But he came to save. That's what verse 17 says, right? Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. So here we see the judgment. Jesus didn't come to condemn, he came to save. But whoever does not believe in him is condemned. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So whoever does not believe in Jesus is condemned. Now, 
here in Matthew 25, it's a few verses, so listen well. If you have a Bible on your phone or whatever, turn there, follow along. It will be helpful. Um, we see Jesus speak about heaven and hell. He speaks about it in these terms. Everlasting judgment and eternal life. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, when who comes in his glory? All right then. So that means when Jesus comes back, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. And I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did you see hungry? Sorry, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now I'm going to pause there. Looking at the text, on what basis does he, does he invite the sheep, in the example, to come and enjoy the kingdom prepared for them before the foundation of the world? On what basis? Clue is in verse 35 onwards. Verse 35 onwards. It's not, these are not trick questions. I just want to make sure that you're actually reading the same thing I'm reading. Not reading your text messages and WhatsApps and whatnot. So they, on the basis that they were helpful, that they showed good works, right? So does this mean that salvation, that we receive salvation based on our works? Why not? We have to let God finish speaking. Yeah? If we look at this, again, it's easy on the face of it to suggest, well, okay, you know what? If I do good, then the Lord will accept me. That's what it suggests. But even the verses we looked at before in John 3 says, whoever believes... Does anybody know Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 off by heart? Or want to have a go at it? Anyone want to have a go? Ain't no shame in your game. Ephesians 2. That's the one, yeah, yeah. 
Speak up, speak up. All right, then one of you guys read it for me. One of you ladies in the front row, please. Can you read that for me, please? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. There, it's there. That's me thinking Malika's coming up to take the mic, you know, and like read it out. That's just narrowed down the odds, okay? Uh huh. Amen. All right. So for by grace, um, that speaks of undeserved favor. And that's clarified um, in the second part. Um, you've been saved through faith. So that's through believing. And this is not your own doing. So it's not because you were helpful, you done good things, or because you went to church, or you listened to your mom, or you read your Bible. It is the gift of God. Now, if I offer you a gift and you offer to pay me for it. The moment I take that payment, is it any longer a gift? Right. So if I'm going to say, God, I will trade you um, acceptance. If you accept me um, on the basis of my good works, have I received a gift? No, of course not. So works don't come into it. And we see that in verse 9. Not a result of works that no one may boast. So people are accepted by God because firstly, they've believed on the Son. They've received the gift of grace. But when we put that together with Matthew, we understand that that results in works. So you are saved by grace through faith alone, but saving faith is never alone. It is always accompanied by works. It will always, if there's genuine saving faith there, then it will result in works. Now, there may be instances, like in Paul's life, when actually you um, are not bringing forth the fruit and you're not doing the works that accompany the Christian life. Oh, wow. So, there is a verse that speaks to this. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I'll put it up. And this is speaking about the person who claims to be a Christian, but who is not living in a Christian lifestyle, they're not living in a Christian manner. It says you are to deliver this person to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that he may be damned in the day of the Lord. Is that what it says? No. So that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. So you've got this person who's living an ungodly lifestyle. Well, the Bible says as a community of believers, as the family of God, we're to put that person out of the family house. 
Now, that doesn't mean that they're no longer a Christian. It's like Paul said, you can get excommunicated from a church. You can be put out of membership, but can you be excommunicated from God? If the person is truly God's, even though Satan's going to batter them, listen, for the destruction of the flesh, that ain't no joke. Satan's going to batter that person, send them to heaven, special delivery. But because they're the Lord's, they will go to heaven at the end. Now, that doesn't mean that a person should take it for granted. Oh, well, even if I go out there and I live a wild lifestyle and live anyhow I want, then actually that means I'm still going to go to heaven. No, 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 not at all. Because the Bible also says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that a person ought to examine themselves and see if they be in the faith. What verse is that? 13? Is it 2 Corinthians 13? Yeah, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. So, if a person is in a place where they're living a sinful lifestyle, they shouldn't feel comfortable. They shouldn't feel secure. They shouldn't feel as though their, their salvation is assured. There should be such a level of uncertainty that they actually consider like it says here, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you. Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. See, if somebody is habitually practicing a lifestyle that is not godly, then it begs the question, is God really in me? And if there's any doubt, then make it right. That's the answer. The answer is, if there's any doubt, if God is in your heart, then make it right. And it's so important because look at what Jesus goes on to say in Matthew. Verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for who? For the devil and his angels. So we see that the eternal fire wasn't made for man. It was made for the devil and his angels. And all of those who resist God, who reject Christ, choose to go with the devil. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. They will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, 
but the righteous into eternal life. Now, it's important that we know these people go into eternal punishment. So the whole idea of, as you mentioned earlier, Kian, we just cease to exist is not true. There is a judgment, and that judgment will lead to punishment for the sinner. And it's not a momentary punishment. It's not a punishment that only lasts for a little while or for a season or even for a couple millennium. It's eternal punishment. God is eternal, and when we as his creation break his divine law, we are guilty of sin, and the consequence is eternal punishment, having rebelled against uh, an eternal God. <clears throat> One of the reasons we know that there is no um, end to this punishment is because in the same verse, it talks about the life being what? that is offered. The righteous go into what kind of life? Eternal life. Now, there are some people who call themselves Christians who say, actually, you know what? This punishment, this eternal fire, doesn't last forever. And I say to them, so hold on a second. We're looking at a verse where Jesus is speaking. He uses the same word for the punishment as he does for the life. So if you don't think that the punishment lasts forever, do you think that the life is going to last forever? Because it's the same word. And so if you're in the expectation and, and, and looking forward to eternal life, then you, you know full well that there is an eternal punishment. Now again, <clears throat> we see that these people were judged on what they'd done, but fundamentally what they'd done revealed that their heart was not for the Lord. Their heart was not changed by him. Here we see the book of Revelation, reading from um, verse 10. And the, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were. So now we're getting a bit more information. It was a lake of fire and sulfur. In Matthew, Jesus talked about eternal fire, a lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged. Each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. 
And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is a lake of fire, fire and brimstone, sulfuric um, lake of fire. Now, again, like, how do you even you know, imagine a lake of fire? It's hard to even conceive that. And yet, this is what the Bible describes and it tries to put in human terms something that is beyond our, even our imagination. I'm going to play you a song that is... Um, by someone called um, Timothy Brindle, <clears throat> and it's simply called Hell. And this is his attempt, this is his attempt to try and um, explain what the Bible talks about when it talks about hell. And it's very intense. And so I, I warn you now, um,
sober, intense, maybe even a little scary. But the reality is that hell is a place where it's the absence of God's manifest presence. And so all that is good is found in God. And when God withdraws his presence, that's what you're left with. This place of torturous torment. And yet, God offers life through Jesus. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither. Shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore? For the former things have passed away. And so this is the promise of life that's in Christ Jesus. But it's only in Jesus. There is no other way to receive that promise. There is no other way to experience that life apart from through Jesus. You've understood that coming to church, singing the songs, helping out, these things don't make you right with God. What makes you right with God is, first of all, recognizing that you're guilty and that you're deserving of judgment. Um, I heard somebody once put it like this, ABC. Admit that you're guilty and you deserve God's judgment. Believe in Jesus who took the judgment of God in your place, on your behalf. And confess with your mouth and you'll be saved. A, B, C. Admit, believe, and confess. <clears throat> this promise then becomes true for all those who are in Christ Jesus, just as it was true for Jesus. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, which is another name for hell, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life, in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You think about the things that you most enjoy in life. You think about the best experience you've ever had, the greatest joy, the time when you felt the most love, the most exhilaration. Being with God offers you that infinitely. The greatest feeling that you have ever experienced or could ever experience is what we experience knowing God and being with him. There's a guy called Shai Lin who's got a song. I can't remember the title of it. And in the song, he basically says, God, I wouldn't want heaven if you weren't there. See, people think that heaven is being able to go and, you know, do all of the things that you're not really allowed to do in life. Um, and do it freely, whether it's smoking or drinking or partying and raving. 
and think that that's what heaven is. But heaven is being with God. He is perfect in all his ways. And when we experience him in his fullness, we experience exhilaration and delight and joy and all the fruit of the Spirit in ways that we could never even imagine. And it's endless. It's forever. It's on and on and on. And so what do you want? Do you want to continue in your own way? And if you die in a week or a month, you don't know when your appointment is, three months, six months, or a year, doing your own thing, playing the church games, only with hell to look forward to? Or do you want heaven? Where you can experience through faith in Jesus pleasure forevermore, the fullness of joy. And so, as I pray, I'm just going to ask the guys to finish us with one song. And we'll be done. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.